Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When there are an infinite amount of female struggles, you decide to do a podcast about them. I'm Emma Jo, Real Davis, and in each episode of this podcast, I take a subject by the horns and rip it to shreds. This is the podcast that isn't afraid to talk about any struggle you've had as a woman, from struggling with your body image. You do get some people commenting, saying, like, you look like a man and women shouldn't look like this. And actually, I love it when I've got a six-pack. To wondering whether marriage is the right thing for you. To say that I'm committing myself to you for the rest of my life until my last breath, that just seems like a really stupid thing to say. So even having a cervical smear test. I need to take my trousers and my knickers off. Yeah. Ooh. Let me know if it hurts. Oh, blimey. That wasn't the end of the world. And that's it. Oh my gosh, is that it? I'm in shock at how easy it was. This is The Female Struggle Is Real. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Female Struggle Is Real. I'm really, really looking forward to talking about this one because today's topic is all about periods. Yes. First of all, guys, I just kind of need to draw your attention to the fact that this week... I have had a uh, sort of brace thing put on. I've had a brace for ages. Um, oh my God, I'm lisping already, sorry. Um, but basically they've put train tracks behind my front teeth and I'm very aware that I am a bit lispy. So uh, really sorry about that. You're probably going to notice it more now. Whereas if I hadn't said anything, you probably wouldn't have noticed. But there we go. Uh, I'm all about honesty, honesty, honest, honesty. <laughs> uh, that's what this podcast is all about. So yes, today uh, we are talking all about periods. Um, it's going to be pretty you know, graphic, I'm going to be honest, uh, all the details about it. If you don't really talk about your periods, um, you're going to hear a lot of detail about mine. So uh, that'll be something to enjoy. Probably don't listen to this whilst having your dinner or your lunch or your breakfast or whenever you're listening. Don't eat food. Um, Yeah, probably not the best idea. I'm really excited about this episode, uh, particularly though, because um, it is going to feature some absolutely incredible young women who are are just amazing, really. Um, First of all, 
I was so lucky to meet up with a fabulous woman called Amica George. Now, Amica is only 18 and she was in the middle of her A-levels when I spoke to her about her campaign she started um, called Free Periods. Now, I'm not sure if you've heard, but in the news recently, there's been quite a lot of talk about period poverty, um, which is basically where a lot of young women who are starting their periods, you know, school age, haven't got enough money, can't afford to buy sanitary products. Um So there have been all these really, really shocking stories about how young women, instead of using sanitary towels or tampons, you know, as we sort of normally do, have been either wrapping their knickers in sort of whole rolls of toilet roll to soak up the blood or even using things like socks or old rags, uh, you know, all manner of things. Um, And obviously that's caused a lot of embarrassment for them and that has caused them to then take a lot of time off school. So they're missing a lot of school purely because they can't afford to buy sanitary products. You'll hear more from Amica later about her campaign, um, which has really, really taken off. But part of it that I can say now is that she really, really wants to get people talking more about their periods. You know, all of us women have them. Why don't we talk about them more? Why is it so embarrassing? Until we've smashed the taboo around menstruation, we can never really smash the taboo around period poverty. And it's so important that girls in the future grow up thinking that period blood is just as normal as the small cuts that you see in real life. Whatever blood, it's just the same. So although I make a joke that, you know, you're going to be hearing a lot about my period in detail, um, it's actually also quite serious. Again, like I just said, you know, all of us women have periods. And yet how often do you talk to your friends about the nitty gritty of them? And, you know, I'm not saying uh, that you need to go to work and be like, guys, just want to let everyone know I'm on my period at the moment. I'm on my period this week. Obviously, we're not saying that. Um, But a lot of people don't talk about it because they find it so embarrassing. And yet, when we're having them so regularly, so often, it really shouldn't be an embarrassing thing at all. I remember when I first got my period and um, I found the whole experience incredibly traumatic. Uh, Obviously, I'd had the whole like puberty talk, you know, this is what's going to happen to your body, blah, blah, blah. Um, But I found it really frightening. And like, it's really weird when you sort of go to the loo and you're sort of 11 or 12 or whatever, and suddenly all this blood comes out of you when really it should be such a positive experience I mean the whole point of periods is that you know it's showing that a woman can conceive and can have children in the future and reproduce and that should be such a lovely thing that should be a positive thing Um, and yet like I said I found it so terrifying and really really frightening so these perceptions definitely need to change and that is what Amica is trying to do as a part of her campaign. So when I decided to do this podcast about periods, I put a little poll out on my Twitter and basically asked you guys what you wanted to hear because uh, as with every topic, there is so much to talk about all the time and um, I wanted you guys to choose. And you chose out of all the options for me to review a moon cup. (laughs) If you haven't heard of a moon cup, basically it's a menstrual cup. So it's kind of like a little silicone thing that you uh, insert into your vagina. It collects all the blood throughout the day um, and you sort of wash it at regular intervals. I've been actually meaning to try one for ages because um, because of all this stuff in the news again about waste and plastic waste and how it's really, really affecting our oceans. I've been trying to be more sustainable, I guess, and recycle more and um, just not have as much of a 
plastic footprint, if you will. I'm not sure that's a thing, but you know, I've just made it up. Um, I don't really use tampons, to be perfectly honest. But obviously, if you do, you'll know that there is a plastic applicator that you then throw in the bin. I mean, that's plastic waste. Uh, Sanitary towel can't exactly be recycled. That is just waste. And so I thought, well, do you know what? I'm going to try one of these menstrual cups because they last for up to 10 years, which is obviously incredible. And then at the end of the 10 years, apparently what you can do is you can actually burn them so that they're not then disposed of in a landfill site. So they're pretty cool things all round, really. Um, Having said that, though, I was pretty nervous to try one out and uh, it wasn't easy at first. Maybe I should have a ruler so I can measure how much of it is sticking out of me. God, this is actually quite difficult, guys. I don't quite know what to do here. Right, I think I'm going to try and put it in. That should be the first thing I do. Okay, here we go. Oh, no, it's half in, half out. It's half in, half out. So lucky old you, you're going to hear the full uh, review of that later. (laughs) The whole washing out and everything, guys. Um, Like I said, it's very honest and uh, very graphic. First of all, though, I'm going to speak to Katie Johnson. Now, Katie is a student up in Scotland who is suffering with an illness called endometriosis. You might have heard of it. Um, And in fact, you actually might have heard of her because she was recently in the press due to her awfully shocking story. Hello, Katie. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for um, agreeing to talk to me on the podcast. So, obviously, you suffer with endometriosis, but what exactly is that? So, endometriosis is the second most common gynaecological condition in the UK. Um, It's a condition where cells that sort of replicate those found inside the lining of the uterus are found elsewhere in the body. So, Basically, the endo can attach itself to different organs and form sticky clots and cysts and just create a real sort of painful mess inside. And every time you would naturally ovulate and have a period and these cells would drain away, um, the endo does the same thing, but it's got nowhere to go, which is how you get this really painful kind of agonizing mess is all I can say, basically. It's just cells behaving badly and, and, and you know about it. It's so painful. I love that cells behaving badly. I love that you sort of yeah. It's it's amazing that you're sort of um, making light of it in a way. How long have you been suffering with with it for? Well, I I'm 22 now, and I don't. I suppose I didn't realise I was suffering for a little while, and which seems to be the problem with with a lot of women. Um, I've had periods since I was about 11, but from 16, they became really agonising and really debilitating. Uh, And I'm I'm talking kind of like blackout pain forcing me to take three, four days off school, education, like university, work, whatever I was doing at the time. Um, and eventually that became vomiting six or seven times a day, gaining and losing weight following that pattern, um, dizziness, fatigue, you know, the whole, the whole shebang. And for a very long time, I just presumed that that was just my lot. That I was just one of those people who had really heavy periods, really bad pain. And but I was no more entitled than anyone who didn't have any symptoms of that to moan about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like who was I to go to the doctor and say I've got really bad periods when they would just be like, uh huh, yeah, you're a girl, just kinda deal with it. Which did happen for a while actually. I went to the doctor and eventually reluctantly got prescribed the pill which is supposed to, to help um help with pain sometimes and um and got given paracetamol, ibuprofen. You know, things I look back now and think, gosh, that's really patronising. And also just handing out, handing out um, over-the-counter drugs instead of actually targeting 
what could be a bigger issue. The thing that strikes me in the UK, seven and a half years is the is the most common wait time for a diagnosis. I mean, that's crazy. That is absolutely mad. So obviously it's really difficult because when, you know, as a woman getting period pain, I'm quite fortunate in that mine isn't too bad. I always just get it on the first day pretty badly. And then um, after that, I'm sort of fine sort of thing. But how do you know the difference between just a really bad period pain and endometriosis? I think this is really difficult because um, obviously you only know your own body. And this is why people get themselves in a situation where they, they, they deny it and they feed that on their own denial. Um, for years, I suffered with terrible, terrible cramps, blackout pain, you know, agony every month that eventually did linger and became daily. And and if I'd acknowledged it a little bit earlier on, then I wouldn't have had half the problem that I did. You know, if I honest with myself, I, I probably knew from the very first time, you know, I had a period, but I just ignored it because I thought I should be able to get on with it. You're not going to know what is an extreme pain to you or what is an extreme pain to them. You know what I mean? That's why um, women are so sort of prone to saying that they must be a hypochondriac, you know? They must be just kind of exaggerating their symptoms. That's how we rationalise the amount we're suffering in our heads, I think. Um, And obviously you can never really tell. So what I would say is, if you have the slightest inkling that this is taking over your day, it's stopping you working, it's putting you in places where you might be passing out in public, you have to go to the doctor and speak up if you feel pain and push for a diagnosis. I don't know whether it's something we're programmed to do to do as women or whether it's something that society said to us, you know, hang on, you don't get to speak up on this. But we need to, we need to demand to be heard. If we don't acknowledge it, the medical profession is never going to acknowledge it. We just need to get down there to the doctor. If that doctor doesn't listen, try another one. So surely, Casey, having all these really awful pains and blacking out and regularly vomiting, it must have affected your everyday life so much. Yeah, I mean, for years it was just a case of I would work my schedule around my symptoms. So um, all the way through school, university, you know, part-time work, for sure, it would be a case of, you know, getting the calendar out and working out when I was going to be bedridden. As long as the work got done, I was I was okay with taking the time off because I sort of that's how I justified it to myself. Um, so that was my strategy for the whole way through university, the whole way through everything that I've ever had to do. Definitely not a healthy strategy at all. I was, you know, in a way pathetic. I couldn't manage it, so I would overcompensate and drive myself into the ground by working too hard to make up for the time that I'd lost. If that makes sense. Um, when I should have been taking the time to go, right, hang on, you know, I need to acknowledge this pain. Right, okay, take the time off because, you know, your body is so useless that you have to. And then overwork after to make up for that time, which is just a really warped strategy. But it's something that I have heard a lot of girls saying to me that they've done exactly the same thing. Because there's a real guilt inside you for taking a day off for something that you've been trained to think that you should just be able to deal with. Yeah, that is absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Because, I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. like you say, when you're in that excruciating pain, I mean, if it were anything else, you know, if you'd broken your leg or sprained your wrist or whatever, you would just naturally take a day off. But, yeah, for something that we get so regularly, it must feel so strange to sort of actually think, actually, no, I'm going to stop and have a couple of days off and just chill and just lie in bed with a hot water bottle or whatever. Yeah, and I think it's funny that you use that analogy actually as well because obviously that's the kind of analogy that we use to talk about mental health as well. And it's the same with endo because it is an an invisible condition. And in fact, quite a lot of people only realise that they have it at all after having diagnostic surgery. So, Katie, what is going on sort of health-wise now? Are you still suffering with endometriosis? Yes, (laughs) unfortunately. 
So I still have, you know, pains daily, but they are, I must say, they are considerably less um, than, they, than they would have been before my surgery. I had, you know, the same sort of uh, chronic pain for about two months. And during this time, I had to, you know, back out of my university studies, stop working, and I was basically just living in the house, kind of waiting for the days to, to end so that I was closer to this operation. And I put a lot of hope into this op, thinking that, you know, everything would be fine once I had surgery. I mean, there is no cure, so that was naive of me. But I went into surgery, and then they found that it was sort of worse than they anticipated. The end there was stage four, which is the um, sort of most severe stage, that my womb was fused to my, um, my bowel, uh, and that I had a fallopian tube that had expanded to the same size as my womb. So that's a lot to process when someone tells you that at a bed size. So they put me on these injections, which I get once every three months, which kind of press pause on ovulation. Because in theory, right, if you can't ovulate, you're not going to be in pain because the endo is not going to get any worse. And these kind of injections stimulate what could only be called a kind of temporary menopause. It's like a medically induced menopause. So currently I'm dealing with symptoms not too dissimilar to the menopause. So our hot flushes, um, kind of hairy bits and, and sort of panics and, and, and brain fog and all that stuff, all with the menopause, which is something I didn't even think was medically possible, but that's what we're going through right now. That is completely and utterly, I mean, A, medically incredible, but B, mm-hmm. v- like completely bizarre. Do you know what I mean? Like to think totally. that you're 22 totally. and you're basically going through the menopause how has it been you know with your friends and, and again you know when you go to are you at uni or you've just finished uni or so I'm, I'm I've had to kind of put my course on hold there so I've, I've I'm not at uni right now I'm going to go back next year um, and I, I'm, I'm working uh, as much as I can do but yeah it's, it's just kind of that trying to balance things I've got a whole new set of symptoms with this injection which by the way doesn't isn't without its perils this injection I don't intend to be on it for longer than a year it purely is to see if I can get this mess to calm down. And now I've also got these, these bizarre, bizarre medical symptoms. And it is weird. It is surreal. And I just kind of have to laugh it off. People quite often say to me, oh, your attitude is really positive. But I think it's quite funny. I mean, I know that sounds really wrong. But like, if I'm sat on the tube next to someone and, and I'm having a flush, and they're having a flush as well, but they're 55 and it makes sense, and I'm 22, it's quite funny to me. <laughs> I find it, you know what I mean? It's just about kind of embracing the absurdity and saying, right, well, at least I'm able to go to the shops today or at least I'm able to meet my friends for a coffee, which I would not have been able to do, you know, before my operation. Do you know what? Yeah. It sounds like the situation where if you don't laugh, you will almost definitely end up in floods of tears. So, I mean, yes, right. I completely love your attitude to it. It is, it is absolutely brilliant. So what does this mean? I hope you don't mind me asking this, but what does this mean for you with fertility? And, you know, if you did yeah. want to have children in the future? This is um, the question that scares me the most, probably, because obviously I'm only 22 and I don't have the setup to be able to be saying, oh, right, let's go just have a family right now. It's conversation that needs to be had because basically the reason that we're on this medication so stop is because I had a really candid conversation with my surgeon when I said, look, whatever you do, just try to leave as many bits as possible because I really, really, really want the chance to conceive naturally. You know, even if we try for years and it doesn't happen, I want the chance to try and he was like oh no absolutely of course you're so young so that's fantastic and went into surgery yeah no things were pretty bad so now he's having to sort of reevaluate. 
um, the tubes haven't, well, this one tube hasn't calmed down, we will have to take it out. And I'm okay with that because we'll have tried. But um, my ovaries, actually, this is the good news, still seem to be doing their business. Actually, I think they're probably overdoing their business. They seem to be doing a very good job because they keep creating a right mess. But, um, so they're clearly working. And actually, that's the case for a lot of people with endo. It's like 60 to 70% of people with endometriosis do conceive naturally. I think it's one of those things that gets bandied around in this people's um, infertility. And sure, it might equal a little bit of a harder route to get there. It might mean a little helping hand, but it certainly doesn't mean a categorical no in terms of fertility. Oh, well, that is brilliant news. I will definitely yeah. keep my fingers crossed for you, Katie. And it sounds positive. It sounds positive, doesn't it? Definitely. Talk to me about your campaign you've set up. When you spend a lot of time housebound dealing with a condition that seems to be very taboo, seems that no one's really talking about it. And if they are talking about it, they're a lot older or they're from somewhere far, far afield that you've never, you can't relate. Do you know what I mean? So when I was going through all this stuff and I was Googling frantically, which is the worst and best thing I could have done because it helped me to understand things, but also to blind panic in me about things like fertility. I realized that I wanted to be a part of the conversation. So I started an Instagram, in fact, called Endo Silence Scotland, which kind of, it's like a virtual campaign, but it's also a kind of safe space where people can go to, to, you know, share their symptoms, share their strategies, their pain management tactics, their, you know, what happened to them after the, after the surgery, before their surgery, you know. And the reason it's called Endo Silence Scotland is because I did not expect this mission to go further than, like, down the road. I had, I never in a million years thought that people would contact me from all over the world. I never thought that people would, would, would be prepared to listen on such a wide scale. And I'm totally thrilled that they have. It's amazing. And it's, and it's, it's all the more comforting to know that this tiny platform is, is providing comfort for people, you know, down south, you know, across the pond in America. You know, I mean, the whole point is to get people talking and I'm just thrilled that it's doing that. That is absolutely amazing. Well, yeah, I completely agree. I'm sure there are a lot of people who, like me, you know, when I read the article about you initially, I barely heard of endometriosis. I mean, I didn't really know what it was. And I've learned so, so much. And I think it's so important to be aware. And obviously, if there are any younger, younger women listening, um, if you are getting those cramps that are really, really severe, um, and you are in a lot of pain, it's so important to go and see your doctor about it, isn't it? 100% and I know all the excuses you could come up with because I did them myself I I (laughs) myself off going to doctor for years I mean really and and it's it's ridiculous I say it all the time but you don't get a badge of honour for suffering no one comes around to you and says oh well done you got through that horrendous pain like congratulations because because it isn't a noble effort to to sit at home and, 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 and cry and torture yourself when, when all you're doing actually, you know, realistically, which is a harsh thing to hear, could be making a condition that's already quite bad worse without attention, which is which no one wins, you know, when you do that. It just causes chaos and it just you're going to be the one who suffers at the end of the day. So the conversations with the doctor are difficult, don't get me wrong. They're frustrating and you will need to be an advocate for your own health and fight to be listened to, which is a whole next level of wrong. You should just be listened to, but you need to do it. You know what I mean? If it's bad enough that you really, if you know it in yourself that you've got something that's wrong, you need to go and speak to the doctor because it might not be that bad. 
But if you don't go, it might get worse. Thank you so, so much, Katie, for talking to me about everything. It's sort of weird, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's like, I've never met you, but I've heard all about your bowel and your and your horrific pains and everything. But it's, know, it's so important to be honest and to talk about these things and to start a conversation. Can you just remind us really quickly of the Instagram handle and, um, you know, if anyone wants to get involved with your campaign? Yes, so the Instagram is called Endosilence Scotland, but the, the sort of at is Endosilence Scott. And I really want people to get involved, people to send me their stories so that I can share them on this platform, to send me their diet plans, their herbal remedies, anything we can get out there to make people feel, number one, less alone, less isolated and bring this condition to light. And secondly, just to help them out when they're going through a tough time, really. Oh, thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for talking to me today. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. So I know I said it a thousand times in the call with Katie, but she truly is so positive. And it's so amazing because I can't even imagine the amount of pain she must be in a lot of the time or any of you that suffer with endometriosis. It sounds absolutely horrific. Um, And the fact that Katie has started this Instagram, you know, she's been really, really active uh, with setting up a platform so that other people that suffer with endometriosis can talk is absolutely amazing um so definitely go and give that a follow it is endo silence scott on instagram um just one of my absolute fave memes that she's recently put up a little meme of britney and it says this lower back and that is precisely why you should go and give it a follow because katie is mixing britney with periods and we love that Right, I think it is menstrual cup time, guys. Um, You asked for it, so, you know, I don't want any complaints saying, oh, this is so gross, I tried to listen to this while I was having my tea. Well, that's your fault, you know what I mean? Um, This is how I got on when I tried, for the very first time, a menstrual cup. So, guys, um, I'm currently a bit scared because I'm sat in my bathroom at home and I'm about to try out this uh, moon cup for the first time. Um... First of all, I've had an absolute nightmare because when I went to buy it in the shop, um, on the front of it, it says size A. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even realise there were more than one size. (laughs) And um, I just assumed that size A would probably be a bit smaller. I'm quite a small person. So I thought, fine, go with size A. And I've just seen on the side of the packet, there's like a little table thing that says, have I had children? No, no go for a size B or have I had children? Yes, a vaginal birth, go for a size A. So I'm currently using the vaginal birth size, um, which isn't ideal really. So I'm thinking that probably this isn't going to be an accurate (laughs) um, review of what a moon cup feels like, uh, mainly because I've bought the wrong size. So that's a good start. So in case you actually don't know what a moon cup is, I'm just going to try and describe it. So it comes in a little box. About the size of a box of oxo cube stock cubes <laughs> it's about that size oh it comes in like a lovely little pouch this is nice they're quite small actually and basically what it is is like a little rubber cup um it kind of looks like a funnel but it's made of like silicone rubber and oh god i've dropped it oh my god what a nightmare i hope it doesn't happen when i've got all blood in it that'll be good um, <laughs> um so yeah so it's like a little cup and you uh sort of fold it in half then fold it in half again and insert it into your vaginal hole and it'll collect all the blood like a little funnel thing and then presumably you take it out at regular intervals and kind of like empty it out and wash it out throughout the day 
So I'm just actually going to read the uh, instructions now because I'm a bit scared about just putting it in willy-nilly. So I've worked out that the little spouty thing at the bottom is actually to pull it out. So it's a bit like the string on a tampon. It's just like a guide uh, so you know where it is and you can kind of just grab it and pull it out. And it says here you need to trim it because if the stem sits outside the vagina, you need to trim it because presumably it will be uncomfortable. And then every time you take it out, you sort of have to put your fingers up a bit and pull it out. Oh, God. This seems a bit scary to me. Uh, okay, I'm just going to trim my stem now. Bear with. Not sure whether I need to um, insert it and trim. I feel like maybe I should have a ruler so I can measure how much of it is sticking out of me. God, this is actually quite difficult, guys. I don't quite know what to do here. Right, I think I'm going to try and put it in. That should be the first thing I do. Okay. Here we go. So obviously, remember that I have bought the wrong size. So I have bought the, um, I have had a child uh, out of my vagina size, um, which obviously I haven't. So um, yes, we'll, we'll see what happens, really. So, okay, here we go. Right, I've got my little moon cup. I've folded it in half, squished it. It's like silicone-y. Folded it in half again. Oh my God, that is not gonna go up, surely. Blimey, it's massive. I really don't think it's gonna go up, guys. I'm a bit scared. Oh my God. Ah, okay, hang on. So basically, having folded it, ah! <laughs> having folded it. Oh no, it's half in, half out. It's half in, half out. Oh my God. This is a disaster. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh my God, sorry. Okay, so basically, <laughs> what happened? I'd folded it and folded it again, but obviously because it's made of like silicone rubber, it just like, springs back into shape unless you hold it really tightly and um when I was trying to force it up there it sort of caught on my uh, well lips and um yeah it was quite pinchy and then it sort of half was in half was out absolute shocker let me try again blimey I think it's because I've bought the wrong size this is an absolute okay hang on I think it's in I think it's in I'm sure like once you're sort of used to it there must be like a method Oh, I can hear some sort of weird silicone popping noises in there. Oh, come on. Oh God, it's in guys, it's in. Okay. Doesn't feel that weird really, it just feels like a bit of a tampon. Doesn't feel um, sort of abnormal at all. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tool just sort of, yeah, just the same as a tampon really. And like I say, there's this sort of little silicone spout thing, which is quite easy to hold on to. And, and it's, 
It's kind of better than a tampon actually, because I always get really worried with the tampon that the string is either gonna kind of insert itself up or get lost or like break or something. I don't know, because it's kind of flimsy. Obviously with this, because it's actually attached to the moon cut properly, um, there's sort of no worry of that at all and it's a lot sort of thicker and bigger, which sounds kind of uncomfortable, but it's not at all, because there's only like a tiny bit sticking out, but it's enough to grab onto and sort of feel comfortable to pull out, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird feeling really, but that's because I don't really wear tampons that often. So I guess if you do wear them regularly, won't feel any different at all. So um, I've got a pretty busy day today, actually. Obviously, as you can tell, I'm still in the bathroom at home at the moment. Um, but I am popping into town, first of all. I need to go to John Lewis and do some sort of general bits there. Um, and then I'm meeting my friends for a picnic. So, um, yes, we'll see how the little moon cup gets on. Will the moon cup fly out mid-picnic, though? I know that's what you all want to know. Um, so don't worry, part two of my moon cup journey will be later on in the podcast so make sure you stay listening for that first of all though I'm really really excited for you to hear my chat with Amica George uh, now Amica started a campaign for girls in schools who couldn't afford sanitary products to be given them for free if they already are provided with free school meals I met up with Amica in a lovely little coffee shop we kind of just got chatting really and as part of her campaign she really really wants to break the taboo around periods and get women talking about them. So I thought, all right, that's what I'm going to do. So first of all, uh, I wanted to tell you about my period. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So basically, came on my period this morning. Absolute nightmare because I have really irregular periods. I just, sorry, so <laughs> the reason I'm starting with this, obviously, is because I know part of your campaign is to like encourage people to talk about it all the time. So I just thought I'd let you know. Um, so basically, I have the nicest pair of pink pyjamas. They're like pale pink pyjamas from... Mate, it's awful. From Muji. My boyfriend got them for me for Christmas last year. They're beautiful. I, they're like my favourite pyjamas. I was wearing them last night and this morning I woke up and I was like, no, I've had a disaster. So, and I get up really early in the morning. So I got up at five o'clock. There I was at my sink with my Persil having to wash the stain out of my pink pyjamas. It was horrific. But that's like a monthly trauma I have to like endure well I don't know like I'm guessing I don't know obviously it depends on whether your periods are regular or not but mine are fairly irregular so you kind of never predict when it's coming I'm terrible I should probably just like sleep with a pad in like oh, so that's what I think I think sometimes I should do that because I'm regular yeah but I still make that mistake I still just forget and then I wake up and I'm like oh great like I just yeah. I'm always shocked I know I'm pretty much like every month yeah which is really lucky but I don't really act on them, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of bad. Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, so that was my um, oh, no, traumatic I hope, I hope morning. I know, but well, it's okay. I went home and checked, and they were on the radiator, and I was like, oh my god, yeah. miraculous! Really? Yeah. The, the trick is always use cold water to get out of stain. My mum taught me that, and it's like helped me through life. Cold water, never hot water. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your campaign, Annika. So I started the campaign um, in April. And it was basically because I was watching the news one day, just before school, I think, and I had this report about girls having to miss school in the UK just because they couldn't afford sanitary products. And the whole thing was kind of discovered because a charity called Freedom for Girls was supplying free sanitary products to girls in Kenya and then were contacted by a couple of schools in Leeds and had to redirect their products there. And especially being a teenage girl and having a period I know what it's like and kind of hearing about that it just, it just completely shocked me I couldn't believe that there were girls who not only have to go through 
you know, periods at a young age and, you know, miss out on them. They were missing out on their childhood and it's the kind of thing that can really affect them in the future. It can affect their self-confidence, their self-esteem, how they think about themselves, how they, you know, kind of respond to things, how they can interact with people. It's a really damaging issue. Um, I looked into it a bit more. I heard about this term called period poverty that I'd never heard of before. Um, and people I'd spoken to had never heard of it either. So I did some research and found that not only were girls missing school and missing a week of their education every single month, they were otherwise having to go to school using horrible alternatives like socks or toilet paper or newspaper. And I just couldn't believe that was happening, especially people think in the UK, you know, we live in, you know, such an amazing country and we have the NHS, but it's not like that for everyone. People, not everyone have, has comfortable lives and, you know, girls this young having to kind of bear the burden of period poverty every month completely on their own. I just felt like I had to do something about it. So, um, so yeah, I started a petition. To me, it seemed like the, an idea would be we already know the girls from the lowest income families, so the girls who already receive free school meals. So having a system in place in which they would be the ones who get the free sanitary products, they wouldn't have to come forward and you know say, oh, you know, I'm suffering from period poverty because obviously that's hugely embarrassing. So it seemed like this was would be a quick and viable solution for the government because they already have this list. So you set up your petition, like you just said. Yeah. Um, so what else is going on with your campaign and stuff? Because you've got an exciting website, and I received yeah. the first newsletter the other day as well, which is exciting. Cool. Yeah, so loads has happened since. So the first thing probably was when the general election was called, I contacted all the political parties and said, you know, period poverty is happening, and this is something, this is a really great opportunity for you to do something about it and kind of address this hidden problem. So in the end, the Women's Equality Party and the Green Party responded and included a pledge in their manifesto saying that they would fight period poverty and the Lib Dems also included a similar pledge so it was amazing just you know even though obviously the Conservatives didn't respond to have three big parties having the word period in their manifestos is such a big step not only in addressing period poverty but smashing the taboo around menstruation because it is such a taboo um, as well as that I've kind of met up with some MPs and lords and spoken to them about how I can publicise it how I can kind of get the word out and get people to support, to support it I've done a TEDx talk um, and spoken at a few events to try and raise awareness yeah so most recently like you said I launched a website and um, I've been working with the Pink Protest who have been amazing and helped me to kind of get the word out so obviously it's absolutely amazing you've met all these incredible people and like you know like you say to have it um, mentioned in three manifestos is just like insane like not to comment on your age but you are still doing your A-levels it must be so stressful you're applying for university as well um, how have like your peers kind of like reacted to the whole campaign I've been really lucky I think maybe it's because I go to an all girls school so I've always been in an environment from a young age where periods have been really kind of normalised and not very embarrassing which you know, I know is not the same for everyone else but at my school people are really open so when I started the campaign everyone was massively supportive willing to kind of get involved where they can get the word out spread you know spread the link and whatever people have been really supportive so I've been really lucky um, I think at the moment teenagers and people my age even though we obviously have loads going on with our education 
I mean, I think there's this general feeling that we want to do stuff about the things that we, when we see injustice, we want to do something about it, is what I'm trying to say. I think at the moment it feels like teenagers feel, maybe it's because of the internet and social media, like we're not forgotten and like we do have a say and we can make change if we want it to happen. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I'm growing up in a, an amazing time where anyone, especially teenagers, especially young people, can have a voice. And do you sort of like chat to your friends about it more now you started the campaign, like about your period and stuff more now you started the campaign than say you would beforehand? Yeah, definitely. So, um, like I said, I've always been open and I've always kind of talked about them quite openly, but since then I think people um, like to kind of point it out to me. So, like, I was just having lunch with my friend before and she was like, oh, I've got to put a tampon in and she got her tampon out. And I always say that it doesn't make sense to me that people slip tampons and pads up their sleeves and then, you know, they shouldn't be that embarrassing that no one can see them, they should be hidden in your sleeve. So she like, got it out and she's like, look at me, like, I've got it. <laughs> and so she like, was marching down KFC with a tampon, which was quite good but yeah I mean even though it's obviously a joke it is really important to me that people are kind of in that mindset where you're you question something that's literally been there since the beginning of time periods have always been so embarrassing and so such a taboo subject so I think it's amazing that people are suddenly starting and it's obviously not just my friends I think it's wider movement across the country there are so many campaigns fighting period poverty and just the taboo around menstruation I think that's amazing it is ridiculous isn't it because I was, I was reading on your website earlier and it sounds really stupid because obviously it's like a, just a fact but it's something you never actually think about that half the world's population exactly. like have a period so it's like for god's sake why aren't we talking about it more like it should just be such a normal sort of conversation it's something you're really really aware of you know when you've got like a because I don't I'm not a fan of tampons so I always have sanitary towels so when I've got like a little sanitary towel in my bag or whatever you know I'll always sort of like take my bag to the loo which is what yeah. most women do but yeah. actually that's so stupid like why do we need to take a whole handbag to the loo <laughs> exactly yeah I completely agree and um I do think that it's something well like you were saying about half the women experiencing it. it it's got something to do with the patriarchy to me I think that because periods are obviously something only women go through we've kind of conditioned ourselves to think that oh they're only a women's issue and therefore men don't need to be involved boys don't need to be educated on periods which isn't the right attitude because they should be obviously they do it even if men don't have them they do affect men and they're so integral to a woman's life every single month we have to go through the same thing so it's not right that it's only up to women to talk about them have you had any experience i know you said you went to a girls school have you had any experience like anyone you know personally that suffered with period poverty so I think it's really difficult because um, obviously like I was saying before it's such a kind of damaging and embarrassing thing to go through so when I started it I had never met anyone which is almost why it shocked me more because I just kind of saw it on the news and I couldn't believe it was real but since starting it I've noticed that there are a huge number of girls who have kind of reached out to me and said you know this is me every month this is what I'm going through this is what I've got to do and I haven't told anyone about it and what struck me even more was that when I started the petition you have a comment comment section at the bottom and it's almost divided into a huge section of people saying kind of like how I was like oh my god I had no idea this was happening I had no idea this happened in the UK even and then you have another section of people saying oh this was me 20 years ago or this is me right now or this is me when I was younger and I thought you know I thought I was the only one or I thought no one goes through this anymore but obviously they do it's happening right here in the UK um, so yeah it's been amazing that 
you know, my campaign has helped girls to feel like they do have a voice and they can talk to people about it, but obviously that doesn't mean anything's being done about it. And I think there's so many amazing charities who give them donations and help and counselling and stuff, but that to me that doesn't seem like a long-term solution. I think it's up to the government to provide them with monthly help because that's what we need, so it needs to come from the government through legislation. So the idea is in your campaign that the government will give free sanitary products to any girls that get free school meals. Yeah. As you just said a minute ago, you said uh, that you had like comments from women that were saying, you know, this was me 20 years ago, I was suffering with this problem then. Um, like you say, I had no idea it was happening really until this year when it all came out in the news. Why do you think it's only sort of come out now? So I think a large part of it, like I said, is because of the charity Freedom for Girls who had to redirect their sanitary products and they obviously, I'm not sure how, but they obviously managed to tell people and make people talk about it and then the more that was talked about in Leeds, it was kind of looked into in other areas and obviously it's not just an issue in Leeds, it's all over the country, it's in London, there are girls everywhere who have to go through it and not just in the UK, it's, you know, I've spoken to people from all over the world who have to go through it, obviously all women have a period and there are huge, huge number of people who live in poverty so they would suffer from period poverty. I spoke to someone the other day um, from France, I think, yeah, from France and she said, um, you know, when she was younger she went through it and she used some rags but she never knew of anyone who didn't do that because, you know, it was just the community that she lived in. It was so normal and you wouldn't talk about it, you wouldn't tell your mum about it, it was just normal. But I think that, I do think that social media Media and the internet has a lot to do with the fact that people are kind of being mobilised to talk now. I think that because we have this amazing platform where anyone and everyone can say what they think and try and make changes, start petitions, start crowdfunding, whatever it is, because of that, it's so easy to, if you've got an idea, in a few minutes everyone can know about it and that's really amazing. Did you love Body Forms advert with the actual blood? I did. I think that it was it was very much too late. I think that it's been something blue liquid is something that I've seen since as I was since I was a young child and you've always I think everyone's kind of grown up with this image this idea which doesn't make any sense that you know we can't see period blood on TV screens which doesn't make sense obviously because that's not the truth. The blue liquid doesn't exist. I've never seen it during my period and be quite worried if I did. Um, I, so yeah I think it's amazing that body form are taking this first step but there's a lot more to be done obviously I think they are quite responsible for in the past they obviously haven't shown the blood there's so many other you know sanitary product manufacturers who make these adverts who show you know these girls in white hot pants and stuff just really unrealistic images which are teaching young girls the wrong thing um, and there's obviously sanitary products manufacturers who call their products whisper and discreet and things like that and it's just wrong to I just don't think that that's spreading the word that we need to smash the taboo do you know what I think is so ridiculous? Like, all these films, like these blockbuster films, you know, with guts and gore all over the place, and people absolutely love them. And I'm like, how can you go to the cinema and see that and not think that's disgusting? Yeah. Yet you think a tiny bit of blood, that, 
you know, that, that comes out of a woman every single month. It's disgusting. It's like, it just baffles me. I just do not understand it at all. Exactly. Crazy. Um, so how can we help, Amica? Tell us what to do. Um, so I'd say the first step is obviously sign the petition. It's currently at 78,000 signatures um, and it needs at least 100,000 to be considered for debate in Parliament, which is the goal. But more than that, I think we can probably get the government to start talking about it even before that because it's all about... I think putting pressure on the government and telling them relentlessly that they've got to do something about it. So as I said, I've launched a website and on there you can just in one click, so in a couple of seconds you can tweet and email Justine Greening, the Education Secretary, and say, um, I want, I think it's already in there for you. You can just press send and she'll get a message saying that there's just one more person who really wants to see free girls on free school meals getting free sanitary products as well. But as well as that, like we were saying before, talking about your period is so important, I think. Until we've smashed the taboo around around menstruation, we can never really smash the taboo around period poverty. And it's so important that girls in the future grow up thinking that, like you were saying, period blood is just as normal as the gory blood or even like the small cuts that you see in real life. Whatever blood, it's just the same. So I think it's so important that we just keep kind of reinforcing that message and that can only really be done by talking. So to help smash the taboo, have you got what uh, would normally be considered an embarrassing period story you could tell us? Um, Yeah, so I started quite young. I started when I was about 10 and a half, I think. So when I was 11 and I was in year six, so my last year of primary school, um, I started, like we were talking about before, I started overnight and I woke up and had a big panic because it was like my second or third period ever. (laughs) Um, And I think I put the pad on backwards. So obviously where the blood would be wasn't reaching the pad, which is really (laughs) stupid. And I actually remember my mum warning me not to do that when she first showed me a pad. She probably knew I was going to do it eventually. Um, And so I leaked all over my summer dress and um, I didn't know. So I was just like walking down the corridor and this boy obviously it had to be a boy <laughs> who pointed it out he was like um, oh you've got blood on your skirt and then I went oh I've cut my leg <laughs> and just like ran off and I was like gotta get a plaster <laughs> and then I just like went into the toilet and I think I was crying and I went home because I was just so mortified but hopefully there'll be a day one day where it's not that embarrassing and you know girls won't feel that embarrassed to leak a bit because it's obviously completely normal and I do think that when we're talking about periods it's so important as you've done to talk about the fact that they don't always go really smoothly there's always kind of ups and downs there's always pain and clots and whatever like it's always a bit different and periods for everyone are different well thank you so much Amica for talking to me good luck with your campaign and um, I'll definitely be signing the petition as well Ah, thank you so much so nice to speak to you what an absolute babe. Amica George there, campaigner and activist of the Free Periods movement. Um, of course, if you want any more information on what she's doing, all you have to do is get to www.freeperiods.org and obviously you can sign the petition there too. Also, guys, um, just listening back to the beginning of my chat with Amica there where I was telling her about my period um, awfully reminded me of this moment from Friends. Chapter one. My first period. (laughs) So I am really sorry if it was like that, um, because that is my worst nightmare. Um, I just felt like we need to talk about periods more, you know? Um, And so, yay, that's what I'm going to do more now, because it is time for Moon Cup Journey Part 2. 
So I'm just about to do my first empty with the moon cup. Um, obviously still at home at the moment, so um, I really didn't want to do my first one kind of out and about in public just because obviously I didn't really know what to expect. So I thought, do this one at home and kind of see how I get on. Okay, sorry for the graphic details, but just going to obviously put it out now. Uh, a bit worried about this in itself because I'm really worried it will suddenly ping and everything will kind of fly everywhere. Oh no, it's quite gentle. Okay, right. Oh, it's coming out. Oh, weird, weird, weird. So it kind of manages to contain it, but it is quite messy. It's quite gross, really. I'm not gonna lie, guys. Right, okay, so presumably now I just sort of give it a little wash. Oh, not ideal when some of it uh, splashes you in the eye. Um, right, okay, so just give it a little shake out. So it's not too bad, I mean, I can imagine doing that in a public loo wouldn't be the uh, nicest experience, but I don't know, what do people do? Like maybe take a bottle of water and some, like use some toilet roll, like in the toilet, so you don't have to wash it in a public sink. Because um, I can't imagine that's a particularly pleasant experience, really. So I'm currently just walking into town now. Um, moon cup still firmly in place. I have also put a sanitary towel in because um, I was just, a bit paranoid about it popping out when I was there, uh, you know, pondering over the laptops in John Lewis. That would be extremely embarrassing. Um, it's not too bad. It's not too uncomfortable. Just kind of, like I said before, feels a bit like a tampon. Um, my main worry is if I need a wee when I'm shopping because my bladder is very weak. So that is um, a likely situation. Um, but I guess I'll just cross that bridge when I get to it. So guys, as expected, um, currently just shopping in town and um, because it's quite a hot day, I've drunk absolutely loads of water. So um, what should happen? But I'm absolutely desperate for a wee. You can probably hear the panic in my voice because I'm in MS trying to find the loo. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's see how this works. So guys, I'm not sure if you can hear me, um, but basically, I'm currently in the public loos, hence why I'm whispering. <laughs> um, basically, having come fully prepared to town with a bottle of water because it's such a hot day, I then proceeded to drink it all, not thinking at all about how on earth I was going to wash out my menstrual cup when the time came in a public loo. So I've literally got an absolute dribble left of water in my bottle so I'm going to attempt to sort of perform some sort of miracle with a dribble of water and a couple of sheets of toilet roll so hang on a minute bear with so obviously first of all I need to extract my uh, menstrual cup I don't think there's anyone outside but you know when you're oh no I think someone's just come in oh god so let me just take my cup out you know just so you get the full picture at the moment which I'm sure you're desperate I'm uh, having a particularly heavy part of my period at the moment, which is great. Um, hang on a minute. There we go. It's much easier to get out, actually. It's just so messy, that's the problem. Like, I've got to be honest, guys, it does go like over your hands. So I'm going to have to do a James Bond style maneuver out of the door in the hope that no one sees <laughs> that my hands are a bit bloody. Okay, so I'm now like leaning over the toilet. Obviously the sinks are outside. 
So I've got my bottle. Probably hear that there's virtually nothing left in it at all. So hang on, I'm just going to attempt to wash out my moon cup now with like half a centimetre of water. Oh my god, I keep dropped it down. <laughs> Bloody hell. And literally. <laughs> Sorry for the graphic detail. So I've done like a half job, like it's not 100% clean, but I guess it'll have to do. I mean, what else am I supposed to do? I don't have any other sanitary towels with me. I don't have any tampons. Um, I think probably I'm going to need a little bit of um, toilet roll to kind of wipe the rim. I'm just going to God, I can't go through this performance every time, surely. <laughs> okay, there we go. So I guess I'm just gonna have to fold and insert again. Oh, okay. That was, oh, <laughs> probably heard that popping. <laughs> that was much easier the second time, actually. I think I've kind of got a bit more used to it now. So I've sort of seemed to master a technique. Hopefully over time it'll just get easier. Um, still a bit grossed out that it kind of had some old blood on it, but I guess that's like what you have to do when you don't have the uh, appropriate materials to wash it all off. Right, I'm now going to do my James Bond manoeuvre, guys, so, you know, watch this space. I might have an awkward encounter when I leave the loo. Okay, guys, so um, I've managed to do my James Bond manoeuvre. Unfortunately, there's no one out here washing their hands, so I think I can talk normally as long as I'm quick. Um, well, that experience is going to be a lot worse actually to be honest I think if you were prepared with the proper equipment i.e a full bottle of water it would actually be much easier but it really isn't that bad like it's a bit messy but I think you know sometimes when you take a sanitary towel like you have to like roll it up and everything that's really messy so actually it hasn't really put me off at all and I really thought it would um so yeah positive experience sort of I think so I have had an absolute shocker like literally you won't believe this I'm so annoyed um but mainly annoyed at myself um so basically obviously just been for a picnic with all my friends and we kind of got talking and completely randomly like just a coincidence we got talking about sanitary products right and I was like oh my god guys I'm using a moon cup today like for real and one of my friends whose name I won't say because obviously I'm sure she doesn't want me to disclose her preference of sanitary product on my podcast <laughs> one of my friends basically said oh I love menstrual cups I use them all the time so I was like oh my god amazing we need to share tips tell me about your menstrual cup are you a size a a size b um so we got talking about it and I said oh my god I had an absolute nightmare earlier on because when I was in town I was absolutely desperate for a wee so I had to go through this whole palaver blah 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 and my friend was like, Emma, you're such an idiot. You realise you don't have to take them out every time you go for a wee. You can leave them in for 12 hours at a time. 12 hours, guys. And it said this on the packet. Did I read the packet? No. So it's completely my fault. So basically, the weeing in public thing probably isn't an issue at all because you know how often are you in public for longer than 12 hours do you know what i mean so i guess the only time it would really ever be an issue is if you were i don't know at a festival or something could be a bit of a nightmare because then you really would have to wash your moon cup out you know in those weird little festival sink things and that could be a bit kind of disgusting because obviously people brush their teeth in there and stuff um but yeah all of that could have been completely avoided don't need to take it out so there you go 
thank you so much to all of you who made it through my whole Moon Cup journey. Um, it was quite the experience. Um, but genuinely, I think now I've found out that you don't have to take it out every single time you go for a wee or whatever. Um, I would actually be really inclined to use it more often. I mean, there aren't really any cons that I can think of. The only thing is, obviously, it's a little bit gross when you take it out, but then it's a little bit gross when you take a sanitary towel out or a tampon out. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a risk of kind of getting it all over your hands then as well. I suppose a little bit more so with a moon cup. But all I'm saying is watch a little video of, you know, how awful our oceans are. I mean, this is a whole other podcast topic, but watch a video of how how much plastic is in our oceans and um, and you'll be more inclined to use a menstrual cup. Honestly, they're not uncomfortable. They're so easy to use. They're reusable. Why would you not get one? Having said that, though, don't do a me and definitely check the right size for you because um, I've got to be honest, I'm definitely going to downsize my moon cup because it was far too big having not had a vaginal birth. As always, you're an absolute legend if you've listened to this podcast. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I love all your feedback and your emails and your tweets and stuff. Uh, so keep them coming. On Twitter, I am at mjorealdavis, E-M-J-O-R-E-A-L, Davis with an E. And uh, the email is thefemalestruggle at gmail.com. I realise I've got progressively more sort of lispy and bracy throughout the podcast, so I'm terribly sorry about that. But what can you do when you want straight teeth? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, anyway, thank you so, so much. Um, I will be back very soon with another episode of The Female Struggle Is Real. 